Hey everybody, thank you for downloading this episode of Out Front with AJ and Nick here on the Chicago Podcast Network. I am Nick Sorrentos, Editor-in-Chief and host here on the network, joined over the interwebs and Skype by my good buddy AJ Signeri. AJ, say hello to the people. Hi, Nick. He didn't say hi to the people, he only said hi to me. I feel so special. Uh, all right, uh, before we get started anything else, just want to mention this real quick. Just got announced as we were going on the air that George the Animal Steel of WWE fame has passed away. And that was what qualifies as good news in today's world. Because yesterday, <laughs> I, I, I'm just saying, man. It, it, it can only go up from here. Yeah, like, no, but, George the Animal Steel's passing. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, you, you, like... <laughs> That was my favorite joke. Uh, somebody said it. He goes, oh, thank God. It was just that Mary... T- it was John Oliver. He goes, oh, thank God. It was just that Mary Tyler Moore died. Like, I hear, I see death announcements in the news, and I'm like, oh, good. A regular news story from back before when everything... In the long, long ago when everything was fine. Oh, my God. All right. So do you want to start on the press conference, or should I? I, I don't think I could fathom talking about... That press conference. All right, well, then I'll get started, and I'll allow you to retort. I don't know why I did the Sam Jackson line with a British accent, but I did. It's done. We're moving past it. Um, So, ladies and gentlemen, for those of you listening, we did a show a couple days ago on Valentine's Day. Uh, It is now Friday, the 17th of February, in the year of our Lord, 2016, and I'm using that phrasing because (laughs) we're all going to die soon, and uh, it's just great. Um... (laughs) We're all gonna die, and it's it's just it's so great because for those of you who didn't have the opportunity yesterday to sit in an office while you were doing QuickBooks mind-numbing QuickBooks data entry, while because everyone does that, right? Uh, but essentially, that kind of work where you're just sitting there typing something and hitting enter repeatedly, you don't have to really. Th- You think about what you're doing, but it becomes automatic at a certain point. That's what I was doing yesterday. And then uh, CNN announced that there was going to be a press conference. And my buddy Dave texted me, and he's like, there's going to be a a thing, and you should check it out because they're saying it's a big deal. It's his first solo press conference that he's done where he's just going to go up on stage and answer questions. So the pumpkin man, Jackass Von Hairpiece, and our president, Donald Thaddeus Trump, decided to take the stage and... uh, I don't know, yell at everyone for a little bit? I have no idea what happened yesterday. He went up on stage, somebody asked him a question, and he proceeded to berate the media and CNN and any... My favorite thing is, he went after the BBC, too. Right? Like, the BBC stands up and goes, oh, where are you from? I'm from the BBC. Oh, there's another good one. Like, who the fuck... Like, I don't talk like that in a... I don't... My brain doesn't work anymore. My brain doesn't work anymore, AJ. Apparently, the world is not what I thought it was, and we all live in a... Is this what the beginning of a dystopian future feels like? Well, you know when you watched uh, like Highlander 2? Yeah, I went bad, because this whole thing is bad. So I'm going to go with the bad dystopian futures. Okay, so like Highlander 2, Escape from New York, also Escape from L.A. Like, is this how it starts? Is with a guy who goes on stage and just tells everybody that the media is, is all fake? And like, I was waiting for him to n- deny that there was a Russian spy boat. Did you catch that bit? The not good bit? Yes. For those of you who didn't catch it, Donald Trump, they, they go, uh, there's a nuclear, uh, there's, a, there's a spy boat off the coast. Not good. And they tested a missile. Not good. Oh, thanks. That's helpful. Well, what are you going to do about it? I'm not going to tell you. 
Okay. Why? Because then they'll know. Oh, okay. Did you want to give people a little bit of lead time? No, because if we had done that, then the bad people would have gotten in as far as the travel ban goes. I have never in my life seen a press conference like that. I, You know who I want to be president right now is Lovey Smith, because at least he was consistently boring in his press conference. <laughs> what are you going to do about the Russian boat off the thing? Well, that Russian boat is off the coast. We need a stronger Coast Guard to maintain our own defenses. And later on, I will assure you that Rex Grossman is our quarterback. I just, I don't, I miss that. I miss a boring Barack Obama. I miss, I miss bumbling George Bush who couldn't speak English well, but at least didn't yell at people. Like No, but Bush had his like own way of... Like, slamming people without yelling, though? Yeah, but that was like that, you know, bless your heart kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, when, with, with the press conference, I mean, I had to find the full transcript because I'm, old, I'm, I'm very intrigued on how Donald Trump talks and actually see the painstaking work someone has to transcribe while he's talking because I appreciate those people more than I have in the past because I can only imagine when someone's transcribing what Donald Trump is saying because if they're like an English like they have a master's in English and they're transcribing I'm sure they're like like fuming in the inside (laughs) like there's there's a lot of errors and I have to transcribe this because this is my job but he doesn't know English. <laughs> well, the best part about even thinking of it that way is going, like, I have a master's degree from Oxford in English. <laughs> and your words are offensive to me, sir. Not the actual content of what you're saying, but how you say it. Jesus. I'm looking at it now. It's, it's, it is, it's, it's, this is special. But I, but like in the one part of the press conference, he says that he says, you know, I think I'll say a few words and then I'll take some questions. Right out of the gate, a few words means that a few words, not several paragraphs. Yeah, and then take questions <laughs> to say I'm going to say something and then I'm going to take some questions. You know, and he goes on and. Before he even talks about this new Rasmussen poll, because um, what do you say here? A new Rasmussen poll, in fact, because the people get it, much of the media doesn't get it. They actually get it, but they don't write it. Let's put it that way. But the new Rasmussen poll just came out just a f- very short while ago, and there's an approval rating of 55% and going up. Yeah, now that's actually true, for the record. I know, but, but still, fifty-five percent is nothing to gloat about. Well, also, it's the Rasmussen poll, right? <laughs> for those of you who don't know what the Rasmussen poll is, it is a Republican poll. It is a cons- it doesn't poll anyone except other conservatives, and they have been caught several times faking their numbers. Right, and you know he goes on. He, uh, you know, he talks about the stocks going up. Um, Where's see here? And then has been a tremendous surge of optimism in the business world, which is to me means something 
much different than it used to. It used to mean, oh, that's good. Now it means that's good for jobs. Very different. That's him talking. Like, wait a minute. Wait I mean, it's very like. It used to mean something different. Now it means jobs. I mean, it's like he presses, presses the gas pedal, brakes. Pedal, brake. Pedal, brake. <laughs> it's like, I'm like, give me something with a meter. Some, Give me something that has a rhythm to it. I mean, this is like, to me, and, I, and this is what it used to mean. Now it means, I'm like, what are you saying? And so he continues to say, plants and factories are already starting to move back into the United States. And, well, they transcribe as big league. He means Big Lee. Um, what, 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 well, either way. Okay, let's wait, wait. Look at this. I, I want to go through this line because this line is great. Plants and factories are starting to move back into the United States. And Big Lee, Ford, General Motors, so many of them, I'm making this presentation to the American people with the media present, which is an honor to have you. But then goes on to bashes them. Right. It's an honor <laughs> to have you. Because many of our nation's reporters and folks will not tell you the truth. The people in the room with you are those people. So is it an honor to have a bunch of liars into the house because, God, you respect a good lie? Or, I don't, there's an old thing for The Simpsons, I don't know if you know this, but it's called uh, Praise Then Undercut. Do you know that that, that idea? So yeah, like, I've heard the phrase before. So basically the idea on The Simpsons, if you guys go back and watch a lot of The Simpsons, the way that they tend to do stuff is they'll either set something up as being very heartfelt or very important, and then the next line always undercuts the point that they just made. South Park does that a lot too. And it's just the idea that if you make a solid point, always be willing to knock it down because you're supposed to be funny. Trump does that in real time, and there is a genius to it. I think a genius. I don't know. I mean, if it was... Perf- you, want, you want to give him that credit? No, I don't, because the thing is, is that it's not performance art. If this was a performance piece, like, if this was Shia LaBlah doing this, it would be the most incredible... Like, you'd have to stop and go, no, he is. He's the greatest performer of our generation, without a doubt. And then, man, the part that got me the best was... I swear to God, the, the woman stands up and she goes, will you talk to the CBC? And I'm not going to lie to you. I heard CDC, and I was like... No. Like, that's literally what I heard. So I was like, all right, so that's not what this is. So what what's going And I, it took me a second, and then she goes, the Congressional Black Caucus. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I, personally, did not know what she was talking about when she said CBC. That's okay, because I am not the President of the United States. He is. He had no earthly idea what she was talking about, and then proceeded to say, "I, I and I don't know what this was, do you know them? Do you want to schedule a meeting? Like, have you not thought of having the meeting before this moment? Like, is this the first time somebody said to you that there is, in fact, a Congressional Black Caucus and that you should meet with them? Also, wouldn't you follow it up with, hey, Donald, what is a caucus? Do you well, think you could answer that you question? Do know that the Congressional Black Caucus actually sent him an invite. Yeah, that's what they said later, and he had turned it down, right? Oh, yeah, I mean... They sent a letter back in January 19th or something like that before the inauguration. For those of you who don't know. like, hey, here's an invite. When you're settled in, how about we just have a meeting and everything? And he didn't respond back. 
For those of you who don't know what the Congressional Black Caucus is, it is literally just a group. It's the group of people who are black congressmen and congresswomen uh, and who are part of the same group, and they all tend to vote together at least on civil rights issues. Is that pretty much what we would yeah, say? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's like any other caucus. I mean, it's, it's their identity caucus. So, I mean, anything... When it comes to legislation efforts, I mean, the black, the Congressional Black Caucus will probably convene together and talk about, you know, how does this deal with black issues? They are not a monolith. <laughs> I, I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. <laughs> For those of you who don't know what that is, look up Key and Peele, black monolith, or black Republicans, actually. Black Republicans? Ain't not a monolith. We are not a monolith. <laughs> and they got Theo to do it, which was even better. Oh yeah, well, and I love that. I love when he's on stuff and they do veiled Cosby Show references, though not so much anymore. The best one was <laughs> he was on Community and he's wearing a Cosby sweater, and one of the guys comes on and goes, "Nice sweater." He goes, "Yeah, thanks. My dad gave it to me," <laughs> which I always thought was great. Um, I want to. I, I mean, look, we could sit here, but if you guys want to lo- know more about the press conference and the funny stuff that happened in it and the terrifying stuff that happened in it, you know, watch Daily Show, watch Colbert, watch Seth Meyers, watch, you know, At Midnight. They all had some fun with it. And, and, and I got to be honest with you, by the time I went to bed last night, because I try to watch all the late night shows before I go to sleep, which is a thing that's hard to do. Um, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm kind of burnt out on it. But I want to get into the idea of what the dangers of that is. And, and for those of you who don't understand what happened yesterday and how... AJ, the, the, the best thing that, that John Oliver said before he went away for his little hiatus after the election was, do not let this start to seem normal because this is not normal. And look, I hated the policies of George W. Bush. I... In my early 20s, spent most of my time arguing with people about what a fool that man was and how we were in an illegal war and all this other stuff that, in retrospect, I almost wish I could take back because it makes me feel stupid in comparison to what is happening right now. Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States is in a state of open warfare with the media. That is what's happening right now. And if you don't think that that's scary... You need to understand that the problem is this isn't like it used to be where if the president in 1980, if Reagan had shut out all the mainstream media, then no one would carry his message, right? Because there was only newspapers and television and radio, all of which were carefully controlled by a lot of big companies, some doing good, some doing bad, all following journalistic ethics, though. Now, if... CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, CNBC, name BBC, any other major respect, New York Times, Washington Post, you know, the, the, the Dallas Morning News were to pull all of their reporters out of there right now, they would get filled instantly by, I guess you would call them oral sex performing Trump supporting press. Because they would literally just get down on their knees and be thankful to get the story. Like, I, I, 
It's 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 actually scary, folks. Like it's funny because you look at it and you go, I've never seen anything like this before. This is the most insane thing I've ever seen. But it's actually very, very, very dangerous what happened yesterday. And we are all making fun of it because that's the only way because humor is how the brain deals with trauma. And yesterday was traumatic. The president of the United States berated the media for an hour and 15 minutes and then left and everyone was kind of like well that just happened and nobody knows what to do in this moment because we've never felt a we've never dealt with a situation like this where the president is actively just diminishing everything you can go back and look at George Bush uh, basically shut out MSNBC. Barack Obama essentially shut out Fox News and a lot of the conservative media. Uh, Bill Clinton, same deal with uh, Republican congressmen, but there wasn't the 24-hour news network quite as much. You know, and then you go back to George H.W. and Ronald Reagan, different era, different kinds of media. But in our, in my lifetime. That kind of shit has never happened. Even Bill Clinton, when he was under assault from every possible angle, never berated the media, never went out and said, oh, shucks, man, you're all a bunch of bastards. Like, that would have actually made sense then. And now it's just a guy who's like, I don't like the fact, I don't like the fact that there are leaks. And this is something that goes back to Obama that pisses me off about government leadership is that they complain about the leaks, not the act that we're talking about that the leak revealed. And that's the shit that's, that scared me about Obama and his inability to recognize Edward Snowden and the contribution that he made to American society. And, and he did make a contribution whether or not you want to call him. Is he a traitor? Yes. You can simultaneously be a traitor and a hero to your country at the same time. Those two things are not mutually exclusive. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, I never consider Snowden a traitor. Well, no, uh, but under the legal definition, he is. Under the legal definition, he is sure, a traitor. Sure, if you want to go by the legal definition. But, I mean, he did the only thing that no one else would do. Yeah. And took humongous cojones, or as they say in Major League Two, marbles, marbles, marbles. I'm just, it's, he, he, he's, he's mad about the leaks. He's mad that the media is being negative. He does nothing to, re, to, to repair that. And now this morning has left to begin the campaign for 2020. You know that, right? Mm-hmm. That happened today. So apparently the election is over, and the election that's four years away has started now. I don't know about you, AJ, but I don't know if I'm going to make it. Could you make it through a four-year election cycle with Donald Trump? Do you think you could do that? No. I mean, I, I, I would think by year three or four, I'm either checked out mentally or I'm no longer in the country. Or you're dead. I mean, well, this could kill us. Probably, but I'm just, I like to I, be a little bit optimistic. And why? What? What about the world? Hopefully, right? I'm wait, wait. living in either uh, Cuba or somewhere in Europe. AJ, the Cubs mm. won the World Series. Uh, the Bears suck. The uh, Bulls are a laughing stock. 
Uh, the economy is, is going to explode. Donald Trump has started running president for again for 2020. Uh, Mitch McConnell has decided that he doesn't like the daily tweeting, but he likes what Trump is doing otherwise. Uh, Paul Ryan sold his soul to the devil, uh, which, you know, like I assume for a nickel, but he did it. We've got Democratic leadership on the opposition side who don't know the difference between a resistance and a rebellion and also are unwilling to commit to any sort of plan of action. You've got, you know, the extreme left, which is so busy fighting with each other over what is the most important issue that no one can seem to get any action actually done except to get people to out and march in the streets. And then when somebody goes to ask them, well, what do you guys want? They get a litany, a list of everything under the sun and, oh, by the way, in the midst of all of this, George the Animal Steel died and Bray Wyatt is WWE champion. What the fuck are you optimistic about? Like I said, I'm either going to be checked out mentally or <laughs> I'm going to be living other than in these divided states. I think I'm going to move to Colorado. No. I like Colorado, but it's I don't the, think it, I could live there. You you don't you don't love the stickiest of the icky like I do. Well, it's, I don't mind it. I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm not one who does it on a regular basis. I'm just saying it'd be not, it, look if the next four years are going to be an election, then screw it. I might as well just be high for it. Like I want to go in. Like you know, you can go into. For those of you who don't know, apparently you can go into weed dispensaries now in Colorado, Washington State, Oregon, California. Maine is commercial, or is it just medical in Maine? I think, um, I think it's I think it's medical. I think it's personal use. Like it's not you can't sell it commercially, but you can have it and not go right. to jail kind of thing. All right. But in Colorado, in Denver, you can walk into stores and go, listen, I'd like a weed that just makes me oblivious to politics, please. What do you have in here that'll make my fingers not able to operate the remote to turn on CNN? I'm just going to watch Cartoon Network until I die. What can I do? I had a wonderful thing happen to me last night, by the way, man. I started a movie, and I got just enough into it that I didn't think about politics for 45 minutes, and that was great. Yeah? When was the last time you honestly went more than, I'll give you an hour or two, not, not including sleep, when, you didn't, when, when the thought of the pumpkin man was not at least partially in your head? Can you think of since, let's say, when uh, are, you, are we are we counting not talking about it on podcast? No, 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 no. I'm saying like in your regular life, in your real life, when yeah. you're walking around work. Now, granted, your life is politics. You work in politics, but my point is only that when people say it's exhausting, that's the exhausting part. Like I wake up, first thought, Pumpkin Man. Last thought of the day, Pumpkin Man. Throughout the day, nonstop assault of Pumpkin Man news. Like, I feel, the only way to describe it is, um, you ever see one of those uh, videos from, like, kids who get electric, like those old cartoons or sitcoms, kid gets electric shocked and his hair just stands on end? Yes. That's what I feel like every day now. And that it's just like, ah! And then I just stand there going, are you you out of your mind? And then the worst thing that can happen happens. You meet somebody who goes, no, I agree with everything he's doing. And then you just go, are you mentally challenged like and i don't mean that in like the the nice way i mean that in like the did your parents suffocate you were you brain dead for several minutes and then came back like what the fuck are we talking about here i'm okay with what he's doing because i don't know i just i've never 
never seen anything like this. And it's just, it's all encompassing in every aspect of the administration. That's the part that's so crazy is that it's, it's not just, you know, during the press conference and then, you know, things are normal. It's like the press conference ends and it's just like, do you know, I think we've talked about it before the website cracked. I've asked you if you read them. Do you? Cracked? Yeah. From time to time, yeah. They've got a new video on there that they do, and they call it After the Trump. And it's literally, they do Talking Dead, but about Trump, but they treat Trump like it's a television show. So they break it down like a season of TV. And oh, yeah, it, is, that, yeah. it is hilarious. Because they're like, oh, yeah, and that Steve Bannon character, really, last season, you didn't see a lot of him, but now he's become such a major focus in what's going on. It's, it, it's it, the, the, the genius of it is that's what it feels like. It feels like a show. And we have spent 25 minutes on our show, ladies and gentlemen, talking just about the press conference, and that is exactly what Donald Trump wants because today and yesterday, two major environmental regulations were entirely demolished by the Republican Congress and will be signed into law by the president. And they are terrifying. And nobody seems to be reporting on them because Pumpkin Man went up on stage and blew up for forty for an hour and a half. So for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, on uh, would have been Thursday morning, yesterday morning, Congress voted to, quote, modernize the Environmental Protection Act which, or I'm sorry, the Endangered Species Act, and essentially allowed for government oversight of the list, meaning scientists no longer have straight control over what makes a species endangered. Two, there is a maximum number of species that can go onto the list. That's insane. Because it's not like a species stops being endangered because you've hit your quota. The idea is that they say these regulations have been abused by companies to protect certain species. Well, maybe, maybe not, but there are scientists out there who say that the biggest threat that we are currently facing are the bees. Bees are dying, which means plants aren't getting pollinated, which means the plants aren't going to be growing. And they've destroyed that regulation. And then this morning, Trump signed into law the, the one that you guys may have heard about a week ago where they basically rolled back an, an environmental protection law that was signed in under Obama that essentially protected a bunch of streams and forests in coal country from runoff so that coal companies can't just, you know, dump evil shit into the environment. And then they just said, no, that's fine. We're going to let them do that, too. So if we hit the number, let, let's say the number is 100 endangered species, and we find out that there's 101, well, that 101st species is fucked, and if you live in coal country and you want to drink clean water, fuck you, you should have a better job. And this is where we're at. My what's brain hurts. What's the problem? <laughs> uh, what's the problem? What's the problem? What is, in fact, in the problem? You know what? That's a funny game to play. What, AJ, right now is your, what is your red alert? Because right now I feel like I've been on red alert for three weeks. Jesus Christ, is it only four weeks? My red alert was when Trump won the primary. Well, yeah, but I'm talking like, when I say your red alert, what is your main concern right now? Like, like today, right here, right now, what are you afraid of? My, my main concern with a Trump administration 
is that his administration is going to roll back civil liberties and the um, civil rights that we have. Well, we're still striving towards civil rights, but roll back the very things that we've been trying to fight for for the last, since the 60s. How, what what form do you think that takes? Oh, I, it's going to be more, I think it's, well, we're seeing legislation on the state level that it's okay for people to run protesters over. We're, we're seeing state legislation who's actually trying to roll back um, same-sex marriage licenses right now. We're, we're seeing Trump who goes in front of people and doesn't give a shit about, well, at that same press conference, a, a Jewish journalist oh, yeah. went on to talk about, you know, like anti-Semitism and I, mean, I, I was trying to understand where he was coming, going to, but Trump then cut him off, told him to shut up and sit down and then proceed to say, he goes, I know, I know what you're talking about. And then he went on to say, I am the least anti-Semitic and racist president you have ever seen. But yet you told a Jewish journalist to shut up and sit down. He also called him a liar. Right. So Because he said, do you have a nice question? And the guy says, I don't know. He goes, all right, ask your question. And then John goes, see, he said it was going to be a nice question. And everyone kind of went, no, he didn't. And so, yeah, sorry. No, I mean, but it's, it's that, that I, I just, I mean... His view, his world view, is not even narrow. His world view is a place where the people he has come in contact with in his tenure in life, that he wants to make deals with certain people in the private sector. He personally <clears throat> doesn't like certain regulations. And in order to maintain those relationships, he has to be in a position of power to roll back, if not deregulate or eliminate certain things that allows the private sector to grow. And blocking those things is like the EPA, the IRS, and a few other agencies so that this sector and only this sector can grow in order to make him a better president, but in order to do that, we have to quell all these people who are protesting. We have to quell all these people who are in these positions in power. Um, his idea of draining the swamp is not necessarily um, bringing on a team that is draining the swamp. Draining the swamp is to get rid of the people that are in these positions of power um, and when I say power, I mean power they assume that they have already, and Trump's one of them, but as well as getting rid of certain Democrats and Republicans that don't agree with him. And yet now we're finding ourselves that we have a Secretary of Housing who has never done anything about housing whatsoever. Um, we have a Secretary of Education who just funds certain Republicans for her agenda and part of a school approach that 
doesn't really meet any school standards whatsoever. Um, he announced his new labor secretary who's been an attorney for forever and a day and never has done anything with labor law whatsoever. Um, and they have just Beauregard Sessions. <laughs> Beauregard. Who, and I, I'm, I'm going to say his name like that from here on out now because I'm a big fan of Beauregard. I'm, I'm a huge fan of that name. Again, it's uh, the ghost from the episode he, of Scooby-Doo where Batman and Robin show up. You know, and, and, and let me remind everybody, Sessions' name... His first name comes from Jefferson Davis, and Beauregard is a Confederate general. I'll put that out there. So you have this guy who's the attorney general. Moving on. <laughs> I'm just putting it out there. But it's uh, Seth Meyers called him um, man who personally represents setting the clock back to the 1960s. Right? Yeah. So we have this guy who is going to do everything in Trump's, you know, pleading of you know do this do that <clears throat> and roll back all these things you know and and not only on top of that but he just makes shit shit up but he, that's not even the real problem the real problem is the 64 percent of the people who voted for him and last night i had dinner with some friends of mine i, I invited them over to my place we you know, we, we use my Soros check to have, you know, the finest of craft cheese and cheap uh, wine and everything. Listen, when and, George Soros meets with you and me and he gives us our walking instructions for how to be social justice warriors, you know, and gives us our money, it's very important that we do exactly what he says. Right. And, and I was talking to one of my friends across the way from me and... You know, he goes, well, what's the problem? I go, the problem is people are stupid. And look, and they looked at me. What do you mean they're stupid? I go, they're stupid. And I don't mean, I mean the general public stupid. And he goes, you've never talked like that before. I'm like, I have privately, but never like publicly, except for a few instances. But, and when I say stupid, I don't mean like people are intelligently dumb. I'm saying people are stupid because they don't know how voting works, they don't know how the system works, and they only choose to understand how voting the system works by clickbait media and to understand in a very limited um, capacity to understand what's going on. And we have, when you have 64% of people who voted for Trump because he's anti-establishment, doesn't cut it for me. I don't mind anti-establishment. I don't mind voting for someone who's going to make change. But what I do mind is that you feel that this person who you fully damn well know um, has done shit for business, including his own. He fully doesn't understand the English language. He fully doesn't understand how the system works. He only does it for the people that are closest to him. And for God fucking sakes, I mean, if you really think that electing this person into the White House and then having a Republican-controlled Congress and soon to be a conservative Supreme Court that you think that's going to change a fucking thing, then you're completely off your fucking rocker. Because, I mean, we can say all we want that Nixon was bad, Ford was bad, Reagan was bad, Clinton was bad, um, both Bushes were bad. Um, we may parse as to why Obama was bad. Um, Noah said I skipped over Carter. 
Um, Holy president who never took us to war after World War II. Say, I mean, there's not a lot of Democrats I like, but Jimmy Carter, I mean, if I had to vote then, I would be voting for the peanut Fuck, farmer. I'd vote for him now. So, Even, and I think he just died. Or, you know, he's still alive. He's still alive. Oh, he's still alive. I don't, want, I don't mean to prematurely kill Jimmy Carter. But, uh, but so, like, what's this rambling about? This rambling about is this. 64% of the people really think that this person's going to change a damn thing. Now, I have my own issues with Clinton, and obviously with Sanders, too. When we And I talked about that on previous episodes on this show. But if you think that you, and I'm looking at you, um, Jedediah, in you know the rural part of Alabama who voted for Trump because um, you have a welfare check, and you are in a state that has the lowest literacy rate in the entire country, and you chose to leave school, and this may sound elitist, but you chose to leave school so you can work on a farm, but you, that farm has been government subsidized, but you want to get rid of that. Do you think they even understand that they want to get rid of that, or do you think... Because that's my thing about that. And it, 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 it's, it's the, the idea that people who vote conservative are almost always voting against their own best interests. And that's a, the point you're making about farm subsidies. That's a huge deal. And a lot of people who listen to this show, a lot of liberals, don't grow. You are the rare liberal who grew up in rough, as, as far as people from like where I'm from are concerned, in farm country, right? Like, mm-hmm. And you're not even really in farm country yet. I mean, no, you're, I mean, there's a, I'm, I'm looking at a cornfield right across from me right now. But you, but you're still close enough that you're still part of the Chicago megalopolis or whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it. You know what I'm saying? Like you still have access to all of that stuff. There are people who live and who don't deal with, who honestly don't get cable or internet where they're right. at because they don't have the option. And and in those people are subsidized farms. Now those are disappearing thanks to the deregulation of how much land a corporation can own. But people who are small farmers, which is still a large part of land, vote Republican. Republicans want to repeal everything. The only reason they support farm subsidies is because the people who vote for them need them. But these are also the same people who are... My my favorite stat of the election, AJ, my favorite stat is the biggest Trump wins came in the states with the highest amount of people on Medicare and Medicaid. Mm -hmm. Think about that. You say people are stupid. There's an example of being stupid. People are stupid also because they are inherently lazy now when it comes to information. And I see it with, and I'm sure you do too, you and I are politically, I'm sorry, let's use a millennial term, AJ. You and I have been woke as fuck for a while. I kill myself for that. I, I don't. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I actually, I actually had a millennial tell me that once. He's like, I'm glad that you're woke. I'm like, I've been awake since 1999. Yeah, that's when you look at it and go, like, I've been awake since I was 17, so listen, you little shit. (laughs) You know, and and, and God love millennials. I mean, I love the millennials I work with and everything, but the ones who really feel, and I know I'm bashing them, but there's a part of me that that bashes them only insofar that, again, I'm one of those people, I feel like one of those unique activists and organizers that, that respects the people before me and what they did and the ones behind me that I'm trying to show the path, but they want to create their own path. But they don't want to tell me that I'm finally awoke. It's like, no, we are. 
you're just choosing not to listen to us. Yeah, you're catching up to the level. Well, that's the thing. Like, I, I would describe myself as being politically, you know, intelligent as long far back as when I was in high school. But the truth is, compared to you, my friend, there are things, and this is important, ladies and gentlemen, Going forward in a Trump administration, you have to admit to yourself that you are not the arbiter of all things that are true and right. You do not know stuff. I do not know stuff. AJ does not know stuff. There are things that we do not know. And in those instances, you must find the sources to trust to bring you that information. And the problem right now is that that used to be certain aspects of the government would at least admit to what is real. We as, and I will use this line because it was great from John Oliver, but I will use this for until he's out of office. The man stood in the rain and said the sun was out. That happened. This man does not care about the truth. And as a result of his not caring about the truth for himself, because anything that doesn't placate his ego let me put it to you this way, AJ. Any other person in any other job doing what he did would be fired. And the best example of that is this. The closest thing I can think of in the world outside of being president of the United States, something that's close to it, is an NFL head coach. You know, you get what I'm saying with that? Mm-hmm. There's a check and balances. There's the owner. There's the GM. You could say that the GM is Congress and that the owner is the judicial branch, right? The owner mm-hmm. can override everything with its under, with the, his under his because there are no female owners in the NFL. His understanding of what's best for the company. The GM can submit ideas to the coaches to how they can utilize the players to be played. But at the end of the day, once the game starts, the real shit that matters it's on the coach to have the team ready to go and to move. Basically, the same job as the president. If Bill Belichick, of all people, went on stage and blatantly lied at this level this many times, he would have not only he would have been fined and fired by the Patriots and by the NFL because they would not have sufficient. Honestly, because of gambling, people wouldn't be able to count on him for gambling. But that an NFL head coach acting like Donald Trump does about the media would be fired. And you want a, a good example of that? Rex Ryan. Rex Ryan is football Trump. Rex Ryan is no longer a head coach mm-hmm. because his act wore thin. This is the same kind of shit. If you, if 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 it, uh, John Fox from the Bears or Mike McCarthy from the Packers, because you are a Packers fan, you son of a bitch, um, were to talk. Down. Can I go on, or would you like to talk more about your socialist team? Hey, I'm just saying. Is that why you're a socialist? Because it works for your stupid football team? Hey, the, the grass is always greener at Lambeau Field. Can I tell you, by the way, I'm willing to bet that most Packers fans are Republican, yet their team is the most socialist organization in the country. I'm going to say, I, I have stock in that company. Of course you do. You goddamn commie. Oh, just go back. Well, do, you, do you have one for the Bears? I bet you don't. No, I don't. I do have a PSL because my system's corrupt and I had to buy my chair and then also buy my tickets every year because that makes sense. But the people own the Packers. Yeah, well, we're, we're owned by a matriarchy. Exactly. And how's that working out for you? Mm. I'm an idiot. I said there were no female owners in the NFL. <laughs> my team is owned by a woman. I need to go hang myself in the closet.
I mean, I don't know if she qualifies since she's older than dirt. But she's not that old. Virginia McCaskey? I think she's like 90-something. That's, 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 that's George Hallis's daughter, brother. I know. Okay. Um, getting away from that. But going back to what I was saying, though, like if you look at an NFL coach acting like that, he, they'd be fired. NBA, NHL, any sort of executive position, a CEO of a company saying and lying this much would be, actually a CEO would be thrown in jail for lying this much because it would affect corporate bottom lines, which is a whole other thing. But I, I am afraid, which is a weird feeling for me because I am not a fearful person. And I, I wake up every day just kind of going, okay, it's just getting worse every day. And and I hear this comparison. I want to ask you about this because you're a person who's lived, you're a political outsider, AJ. If you were on CNN, they'd have outsider underneath your name. But as an outsider looking at this, You've had the perspective of looking at both sides of an administration, Democrat and Republican, and kind of hating what's going on with both. But when I hear conservatives say to me, this is what we felt like under Obama, I don't feel that comparison is fair. Do you? No, um, because again, Trump is a different um, public administrator right now. Um we can't compare him to Obama. We can't even compare him to both Bushes or Reagan, for that matter. Because um, there's nothing to really compare Trump to other than, you know, the early days of, you know, the founding of, you know, our government. Because, I mean, this is a... What we're seeing now is not even a new chapter, but a new era of the political landscape, but also in public administration. We are now seeing, and, and remember, Trump's not the first. There's other elected officials at the state level, at your county level, in your city level, that there are other people who blend their private sector and public sector lives. Okay? So Trump is the very apex of where we're at now. So to say, you know, this is what's like under Obama is is really a false, you know, premise, you know, or a false comparison rather. Excuse me. So, because again, we can't compare him to anything because we we don't we we never had a democratic version of Trump. Now you could argue Obama was like that. You could argue Clinton was like that, but not really. You know, I mean, and, and I'm t- and I'm stripping away the sexist and racist rhetoric out of Trump. I mean, I'm t- I'm talking purely from an operation standpoint. I, I don't think we can do that. Well, that, because the difference is gross incompetence. I mean, mm-hmm. you you have. I'll go back to it again, and I and I said I will keep mentioning this until this is over. But the scene in the West Wing, there's a sub. It's gone quiet. We don't know what to do. Okay, well, that requires nuance and an understanding of situation and being able to look at the entire board and see all the pieces in play and understand how they're moving. I don't trust Donald Trump to do that. I trusted Barack Obama to do that. And people can hate this all you want, but I trusted George Bush to do that militarily. George Bush, I always felt, was remarkably aware and unaware of his shortcomings at the same time. He... 
he did do that very well. And I keep bringing up George Bush, ladies and gentlemen, just because it's a different feeling. Like I said, I hated George W. Bush as president, but I always gave him the respect of the title, or at least I tried to because I'm a West Wing kid, and I at least understood the unfortunate situation the guy found himself in being surrounded by the Republican machine that got him in there. I didn't feel bad for him, but I, I at least understood. You know what I'm saying, AJ? Like, there was a... As much as I was against a lot of the policies, I will always give George W. Bush credit because my biggest fear the day of 9-11 was the president's going to go on stage and basically say we're at war with Islam, and his first fucking line was, Islam is a religion of peace. Do not associate this terrible act with that religion. That is not who we are. Muslim Americans are the, you know, he did that whole deal. And he stuck by that for eight years. And you can hate that guy's policies. You can get angry at the 2008 financial crisis as a result of banking deregulation. That honestly wasn't even really his fault. It was Clinton's. He just did nothing to prevent it as time went on. You can look at starting a war in Iraq as being the biggest foolhardy, most... Some people would call it a war crime. I don't necessarily. But it's it's that, you know, self-private, uh, you know... Uh, profiting for Halliburton off of that when the vice president is a former Halliburton. There's a lot of stuff with the George Bush presidency to get upset about. And actually, I'm getting worked up remembering it all right now. But fundamentally, George Bush was a good Christian man. And and, and, and I hate saying that because I, I fought that thing so long. But he would never actively try to hurt somebody for the sake of hurting them because they hurt him. Do you know what I mean? He's not yeah. a... Yeah, he wasn't um, that guy. Cheney was. Bush wasn't. Donald Trump is the kind of dude who will actively tear down an entire system to get revenge. He fired a guy today or two days ago because in October he wrote a piece critical of one of his policy positions. He is a man who doesn't believe in dissent. And that's the most dangerous kind of person. Because a person who understands that they may be wrong occasionally is a, is, a, is a person who can do amazing things because your ability to change your opinion is a good thing. That's why when people get on Hillary Clinton, oh, you voted for the war, then you were against. I said, that's exactly what you want. You want somebody capable of absorbing more information and changing their mind. You know, like that's an okay thing. That's a, that's a wonderful thing. That's what Politics are supposed to be about, I believe this thing, but you have presented me with enough evidence and a reasonable argument that my opinion has now changed. That's what you're supposed to do. This man is incapable of that. The line of, I know more about the arm, I, I know more about the military than even the generals because I went to a military boarding school when I was in high school. What? When we have to go to war in the next couple of years because of the stupid shit that comes out of your mouth, because you, by the way, this press conference eliminated the stupidity and insanity of the press conference with Benjamin Netanyahu, where he, for lack of a better term, waved him off. And you saw Netanyahu's face like, what the fuck? So I guess I'm just on my own with this shit now? Okay. I, I My brain hurts. And what's the, what's the, did you ever watch the movie Clue? No, I was never a big fan of that. But you've seen it? Yeah. Okay, Madeline Kahn, whatever about that movie, but Madeline Kahn's line of like, I was so mad that flames 
flames coming, coming out of my, and I just, and I, and the anger and the rage, and that's, that's how I feel. I feel like Madeline Kahn and Clue, where I'm just like, I, I, I don't have the vocabulary necessary. First of all, do you think Donald Trump knows the meaning of the word vocabulary? Because he doesn't say I have the best vocabulary. What does he say, AJ? Bigly. And the best words. Not I have the best vocabulary. I know words. I have the best words. I would love for a reporter to stand up in that room and simply say, do you know what a caucus is? See, and I will, I don't know. I guess that's what irritates me the most is... The same forty, the forty, the same sixty-four percent of the people, and I have heard this from people who are within that sixty-four percent, that he speaks plainly, not Washington speak, which I get, but don't get at the same time. Um, I understand what they're saying, you know, and and I'm for one don't like people in a certain position in government, in academia, in the art world, etc., to talk down to people. But the same token, I mean there's I mean we all have our own languages. You know, if I'm talking to an activist, an organizer, um, someone in the political arena, you know, we have our own speak, right? Because there's certain vocabulary and um, rhetoric that we understand with each other. Same way, if I'm going to a factory, um, I'm not going to understand what y'all talk about. I mean, people know I'm not that much mechanically inclined. I mean, I understand the car, and you know, I've put together a Mustang before, but but it's like- I can't I can't go to Riley's or to another shop and talk the same language that. A mechanic and other mechanics talk about. You know what I'm saying? Well, no, I'll, I give, mean, you an, I'll give you an example of, of like what my day is like. And I'm not trying to be weird, but here's I start my day and I'm doing accounting. So I use accounting terms, right? Then mm-hmm. my vocabulary switches because I go and I do a radio show with you. And then I have IT work. And, and all three of those, I speak very differently. And the words right. and the way that I act are very different depending on what I'm doing. You know, and then when I go and meet with the Nutrier Democrats because, you know, they're old and they need help with their social media and I and I try to talk to them, it's because I take those other three personas and I mix them together and become that guy. And, and it's just I get what you're my point is that I get what you're saying. You're you're who you are changes depending on who you're with. Right. But for God's sakes, if you went to Wharton at the University of Pennsylvania, which is. One of those highbrow academic institutions. For God fucking sakes. I mean, you, you had to get in there for a reason outside that your parents had the money to send you there to, you know? I mean, you had to have some sort of academic record to get in there unless there, unless there was a favor just to get you in and everything. Um, even George Bush, who got a C at the end of the day. At Yale. <laughs> he got in there because he had some sort of academic level. You know? Right. I mean, 
I didn't get into the fucking universe of Chicago because I'm good looking. You know, I mean, I mean, I, it was a part it. of it. You were very it's pretty. Like a, what? I mean, it was a part of it. You were very pretty. I am. I'm not denying that, but I mean, I, I went got in there for a particular reason. Because you had, I'm you sorry, know? because you had a particular set of skills, skills that you had acquired over a long career. Exactly. Sorry. You know, and 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 I, and I tell people this. You know, just because I have a bougie degree doesn't necessarily mean like you know I'm, I'm going to talk to you or people I talk to every day and be like, well, you know, Foucault once said. You know, and I'm not going to do that. But if I'm going to talk to, like, my friend Chris in Springfield, that we're going to talk about, you know, the um, post-structuralists and how they were absolutely correct that society is nothing but a piss stain and everything. Um, my favorite, that's different. My favorite highbrow line to go to of, like, I'm discussing something highbrow is uh, – we're going to discuss Charles Dickens and his influence on the Industrial Revolution in 18th century England. <laughs> and people look at you and go, oh, really? And it's just like, yeah, it made it better. And they go, what? Yeah, what? It's not complicated. He wrote books, made it better. Charles Dickens' influence on the Industrial Revolution in the, in the 19th century in England. For you. Very good. Yeah. Also, this is football. I'm just saying, like, I get what you're saying, though. Like, you, 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 just by osmosis, by being around it, you would have thought he would have absorbed something. Like, I don't yeah, know. I don't even know if Donald Trump. When we continually say bigly in a fucking press conference. Tremendous. This is me off. Well, that's the thing that I think gets me more than anything else is that I just don't count on the man to have the intellect to learn new things that's the big thing about being president you have to learn new information right every day you're getting inundated with new facts and new figures and you need to keep them straight in your head the world needs to seem to you almost like a giant chessboard but you need to also hold on to your humanity while you do it and that is a fine line that very few men are able to walk and even we have had presidents who are not able to walk it. and i would argue that the best man who i've seen do that is Barack Obama. Obama had a mind like nobody else for, I guess you'd call it interconnectedness, AJ, just how everything is connected as one big thing. And I don't think Trump understands that. I don't think the people around him, I think they understand that. They just don't give a shit. And he's also surrounded by the worst people on the planet, people who are selling out their country and their own beliefs for power or for money. Kellyanne Conway, to me, is the worst person in all of this because she knows what she's doing. She's not stupid. She knows exactly the game that she's playing. She just doesn't give a shit that she is working on the wrong side. But that's the other problem. Is that we can say all day, every day that these are bad people and they're horrible, right? We can say that. I mean, that's our opinion, if not fact. But again, like you said, Kellyanne Conway, uh, Sean Spicer, uh, Rex Tillerson. Um, Steve Bannon. Yeah, any of these people, they all are intelligent, and they know what they're doing. You know? It's not, I mean... Again, it's not like Kellyanne Conway... Trump just picked Kellyanne Conway off the street. and Or she went through an interview process and she got the job. 
she she done she had a political career. She's done things before, and she's done all this. Same with Sarah Palin. I mean, sure, she has a certain rhetoric. Um, there's something somewhat unappealing to the ear when she talks, um, and I'm not talking about her accent, but she's not stupid either. You know, she 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 went through a process and. She went to school and she became a mayor, albeit she was a bad mayor, but she came, she was mayor. Same with governor. She was a bad governor, but... She was governor. She was a governor, and she talked a certain way. I mean, again, intelligence is, I guess one could say, intelligence is in the eye of the beholder to a certain degree. But for fuck's sake... Don't insult my intelligence because you and I are on the same playing field and you get to choose to use um, poor language skills and that makes, makes me look like a schmuck too. All right, so we're coming up by the end of this. We're doing this. We just hit the one-hour mark. Coming up on the end of the show here. Uh, Two more hours. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, we were going to do a show yesterday, and I told you we should wait because we might not catch the Friday story, which turned out to be the Thursday story. And I'm sitting here while we're talking with CNN open on my tablet going, look, is there some crazy insanity that's going to break? And I know, AJ, the minute we end this show, something insane is going to happen. And then you and I are going to sit here and go, well, should we do a show on Saturday too? Should we just be doing this thing every day? Because I don't know if I, I don't have the time to do whatever. I don't have, I legitimately, for the first time in my life, do not have enough time to catch up with the information. And I'm a fucking insomniac. Well, and that's why I was thinking about this the other day. Um, as much as that you and I and others have been critical of the mainstream media, of the, the things they don't do and what have you. I'm wondering at some point before or after the election, all these media personalities that we all know and love, Jake Trapper, um, George Stephanopoulos, or Stephanopoulos, I guess as I call him. George Stephanopoulos, he is Greek, and you will say his name fucking correctly. Well, I just call him Snuffy. That's right. Um, <laughs> I've always called him Snuffy. I'm so, just- uh... I sure at one at some point they all got called in to the respective meetings and they had the talk of you know Trump's gonna be president and we don't know what this is gonna look like we don't know what's gonna happen and we just need to do something and I'm sure at some point um, their salaries were negotiated. <laughs> I mean, I bet you money that negotiation on their salaries was a factor because if I was any of them and knowing what may come down the pike and everything, or even ending the third week, the third week we're ending. Is that it? It's not the fourth. It's the third week. The third week. No, it's got to be four weeks, right? I mean, I'm not trying to hold on. I'm just, I, I can't handle it only being that. No, it's been four weeks. This is the end of week four. Are you sure? Yes, because he was inaugurated on the 20th. All right. Yes. So then the 27th, okay, was the next Friday. So that's that's one week. 
Then the third was the second week of February. Are you, are, you, are you counting Fridays as the end of the business week or what? Yes. So this would be the end of week four. I get no, you're right because the twentieth was on a Friday. So that oh my god, it's only been three weeks. <laughs> oh my god, three weeks of this. I don't. We can't keep this up for four years. I can't keep this up for six months. I'm gaining weight. I'm not sleeping. I'm very moody and irritable. It's like I'm pregnant with depression. <laughs> Jesus. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I mean, so my whole point is that these guys know this is going to be 24 hours. Uh, and think of all the Twitters, the tweets that have come out. You know, and like you said, I mean, we thought today was going to be a mind blowing tweet or action today. But that happened yesterday. <laughs> yeah, it can't even um, be consistent on which day of the week he's running. And, and, and that's the thing. I mean, so, I mean, journalists of all stripes, you know, the, the, the underground to the established, at, at some point, because in media, you kind of knew what the schedule was, you know. Um, if, you, if you were going to do something, you had – a story breaking, and you want to see how long that lasts until Friday. You know, if not through the weekend, which is the Sunday shows, and um, trying to talk about what's going on on a Saturday and everything. That was the convention. There is no convention with Trump. If a tweet comes out in the next hour, I mean, obviously that's going to go through the weekend, but it may go through next week. Or it can last 10 minutes. And something else, and something else on top of that, and they all are sporadic times. No one can keep up with this shit. I don't care how well, I don't, I don't care if you went to the, Colum- the School of Journalism at Columbia University. You're not going to keep this shit up. No, and, and, and I would actually like to point out that every crisis that we have faced in the last three weeks have been of the administration's own failings. And... We have yet to have an actual crisis. Like, think about that, AJ. This is as exhausting as it's been, and there hasn't really been a terrorist attack yet, which you know is going to happen at some point. Uh, and, and listen, I know that there's stuff going on around the world. I am talking here in the United States, and and uh, or something that happens that reaches the global scale. Now, we've had even the situation in Syria is being underreported because of all this shit with Trump. All of this stuff is going on, and we have yet to have an actual crisis. I am terrified of the day that there is a school shooting or there is a mall, you know, explosion or a plane. Look, imagine what's going to happen if we just have a missing airplane like we did with the the one that CNN jerked off on. Like, that's where I'm getting at because I'm like, this is just him going day-to-day operations. Like, when Obama was president, when Bush was president, there were months that would pass where you didn't think about the president. Like, really? You know what I'm saying? And 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 now it's like every 15 minutes. Oh, look, the president did something else insane. I'm going, I'm, I, I was originally going to go home tonight. My friends are going out to dinner. I'm like, fuck it, I'm going to go out to dinner with my friends because, you know, while we're eating, the world may explode. He's yeah, out on the... And I, and I actually thought the whole North Korea thing was going to be... A bigger deal. A bigger deal on, on, in Trump's mind. 
And I'm telling you... Um, it was the Japanese ambassador who talked him down. Right. And, and, I, and I'm going to predict that North Korea is going to be um, Trump's folly. You think so? Well, yeah. I mean, North Korea... And we can do a whole show about North Korea at some other point, but if we consider this the preview... Um, North Korea is going to implode in the next five years. I mean, they structure, I mean, as an organization, it's going to implode. And if anyone has read um, North Korea's, like, constitution, they can't, they cannot function. Right. Well, they and, just can't. And, and their isolationist policy of the last however many, you know, since the Korean War, so that's, what, 70 years, is being eroded by the Internet and by people sneaking information in. So, right. like, they, they, there's going to come a point where they can't keep the suppression of information down. And, to quote, I swear to God, the Saturday morning cartoon Battletech, Information is Ammunition, um, they will eventually rise up against what's going on. Like, that is an inevitability. You cannot keep people down. Like Two possibilities in North Korea. The government and the military kill everybody, at which point you no longer can sustain yourselves anyway. Or two, the system rises up and deposes its leader. That's what's going to happen in North Korea. And you're right, probably within five years, maybe as long as ten, depending on how much they're willing to, to grow and do stuff. But because a maniac is in charge, which we used to just laugh at, fuck. Um, and, and if Trump ever invades North Korea, I'm, that's going to spark a whole set of issues in Asia. Yeah, do you think he even understands the domino theory of war? Like, we no. always talk about it with Vietnam. People said, oh, you can't let whatever fall into communist hands and fine, whatever. But there's also the theory of how treaties work and how world wars start. And I don't know if Donald Trump knows how World War One started. Do you think he does? Do you think he understands the assassination of Franz Ferdinand and the treaties of the 1800s? Do you think he no, gets the... Or, the, the or s- even the whole backstory. Why? With the whole backstory that led up to the assassination of Franz Ferdinand. Right. Because there had been two assassinations right in the two months previous. Mm-hmm. That, and, a few, and a few other... But because, issues, of, so. yeah, but because of the countries involved, the treaties didn't cross over with each other. And then right. that one did because it was a Serbian assassin shooting an Austrian leader, right? And I think that's what it was, or an Assyrian, or something like that. It was a socialist, and then all hell broke loose. Which, for the record, what is it with you people, socialists and killing leaders? What, why? I'm just kidding, man. Just calm just down. Say, uh, some people just need to go. <laughs> On that note, uh, ladies, I'm and- telling you, I mean, if, if something does happen in North Korea, and I'm not, I'm not defending North Korea. But if he bombs North Korea, South Korea is going to get pissed for for their own reasons. China will be uber pissed because that's essentially on their peninsula. Um, I would bet Putin will be pissed about it because that's technically part of Russia as well. Um, I mean, it's just going to set off a whole trigger of things, you know, and... If you just leave North Korea alone, as bad as that sounds, um, if you just leave them alone and just kind of be like, oh, 
they have a missile. And that, and, that, and that's don't get me wrong, that's a problem. But look at the size of fucking North Korea. I mean, Nick, myself, and probably six of our other friends can take over Rhode Island. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, you- China, at any point in time, and they can do it, can just go right into North Korea and take it over. They don't because... Well, they won't because it's their puppet. Well, also, you know, then you get into the idea of... Because that's when you have leaders, at least at that level, who understand the power of perception like and know that if they actually were to put troops in there, then it becomes an invasion, and then it's played that way, and then you're, you know, 91 Gulf War kind of thing, right? So... They can't do that, and they don't have to, and they're smart, and they know what they're doing. And you look around at the world, and you've got Justin Trudeau, who, I'm sorry, I love Canada, and and I like that they got a young dude in there, but that guy's got, like, little to no experience. He he got elected because he's young and he's good-looking. He's Canadian Kennedy, which means he's Canadian. He's Kennedy without the fucking. So, or... And he understands um, quantitative computering. He, he okay, fair enough. Probably also <laughs> understands quantitative easement. Probably also understands tariffs and and trade policies and NAFTA. Because I think what happened is, is at some point somebody told Donald Trump about NAFTA, and he went, "Oh, that's a cool phrase. I can use that." And it's you know two syllables, so we're good. But <laughs> honestly, have you heard him use a three syllable word? I'm not even trying to be funny. Can you legitimately remember him using a three syllable word? That's what's so funny is that you, and I'm just someone's in front of him with these words. He goes, "Okay, we got to know these words." It's like my time tutoring students in sociology classes and cultural studies classes, where I had to hold up a card. And they had to understand what the definition of that term was. Same way with Trump. It's like, okay, here we go, sir. NAFTA. NAFTA. NATO. WT. Bigger word, UNICEF. You know what I'm saying? WTO. You know, we're going to talk about SALT 1. Salt one. There's salt one, and then there's salt two. Well, why is there two different kinds of salt? Not two different kinds of salt, sir. This is an acronym. We have to understand salt to understand the whole issue in the Middle East from our end. You know, what you, does salt have to go do with it? It's not real salt, sir. <laughs> it's a military a, thing. We have a nest team on ready. Why do well, we need? Why do we There's need no to build a pepper? That's that's gonna be one. We have a nest team in place. Why do we need to build a nest? <laughs> you know, I mean, this. I mean, I'm sure like this is, has gone on <laughs> at some point. Uh, AJ, we're getting ready to the end of this thing, and I don't know if you can hear it or not, but I'm going to play. Can you hear that? No. Well, I'm playing 99 Luftballons in German. All right. Can't hear you. No, I know you can't. That's fine. Ages can't hear me over the internet playing 99 Luftballons. Nine is Luftballons. For those of you who don't know what this song is about, it's, uh, well, it's about red balloons setting off a nuclear holocaust. So the happy tune should not be there, but. Dun, 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 d
Just to give you a sound cue where we're at, AJ. Folks, this has been a fun group therapy session. We hope you enjoyed. And, uh, you know, this is a safe place. This is a place you can come to bring your secrets and everything. So we we thank you for joining us here today. Uh, All praise to our future glorious leader, he who looks like a pumpkin. I'm only saying that because I'm pretty sure our computers are being tapped. AJ, anything you want to talk about before we go while 99 Lift Balloons plays? Yeah, I mean, people, if you're in the uh, eastern Iowa area, um, I'll be at um, the Clinton Public Library in Clinton, Iowa from 1 to 3. We're all going to be doing a workshop on community organizing. It's the first installment of a five-part series that I'll be doing in Iowa. Um, it's a free food will be provided. And I'm looking forward to all those who can come to the area. We're getting people from Illinois, obviously Iowa, but we're also getting people from Minnesota to come down. So uh, if, you're, if you have nothing to do, want to know about community organizing, step on by, say hi, sign autographs, kiss the babies, and all that good jazz. Ladies and gentlemen, that was AJ Signeri joining me over the interwebs and Skype. AJ, say goodbye to the people. Bye, people. This has been Out Front on the Chicago Podcast Network. I am Nick Sorantos. Thank you so much for listening. You can find us on Facebook, Chicago Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter, Chi-Town Podcast One. And you can email us on Gmail, Chicago Podcast Network at gmail.com. All those wonderful ways for you to get in touch with us. Uh, thank you so much for listening. We will be actually having a... We're coming up on our 100th episode, so we're going to be doing something big for that. Uh, looks like we might actually be able to do an interview with an actual congressperson. Other than that, Ladies and gentlemen, uh, this has been Jesus Tap Dancing Christ. This is week three. So we'll be back next week to cover week four, or as I like to call it, the final season of the United States of America, episode four. We'll be back. Talk to you guys later. We out! Go Packers. Oh, you son of a bitch. and six miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. You have been listening to the Chicago Podcast Network.